Hello, everybody. This is Mike Kahlo once again, and uh, this is called Exposed. We talk about politics, culture, and religion. And what we look to do is basically expose what's actually happening behind the scenes. Uh, today, I thought we'd talk about uh, Israel at war because there's a war happening right now. And what's it really all about? So let's talk a little history first. Uh, somewhere around the beginning of the 20th century, uh, Jews living in the land that had been known as Israel were dominated by foreign occupiers for nearly 2,000 years. But they never gave up hope of being free. And as Britain fought the Ottoman Empire in the midst of World War I, Jewish leaders sought support for the Zionist movement. And they sought that support from the British government. On November 2nd of 1917, British Foreign Secretary Arthur Balfour wrote a letter to the Jewish community declaring His Majesty's government's view, a uh, favorable view, for the establishment of a national home for the Jewish people. So the British government pledged to use their best endeavors to facilitate that objective and to make it come to pass shortly. So over 100 years ago, the Balfour Declaration, as it's called, was the first official step towards establishing the modern state of Israel we know today. The um, promises uh, from uh, Britain and other world leaders would take a long while to come to total fruition. In 1947, the Jewish people finally received formal approval from, of course, the United Nations General Assembly uh, for the recreation of an independent Jewish state in the land of Israel. Now, according to the UN's plan, the Jews would receive a tiny fraction of the land originally set aside for them by previous agreements. The UN resolution number 180 um, or maybe it was 1801, I can't remember. Uh, it, it passed anyhow on November 29th, 1947. And although it was uh, minuscule in its offering to the Jews, uh, the Jewish leaders gladly accepted it. But the Arab leaders said no, and they vowed to wipe the Jewish state from the face of the earth, because that's what they do. After 2,000 years of exile and foreign domination, finally the Jewish people were free, to some degree, in their own land. On May 14th of 1948, David Ben-Goren uh, proclaimed Israel's official independence. The very next day, five Arab armies attacked Israel. <laughs> now, Without international assistance, because Israel had no assistance, not from the U.S., not from anybody else, without any assistance, Israel miraculously survived and even gained ground. But they lost over 6,000 people in that war, which was about 1% of its entire population. A whole year of fighting, 1% of their population, boy, they sacrificed. The Arab nations finally agreed to a disarmament agreement with Israel and withdrew. In May of 1967, 
five Arab armies began gathering on Israel's borders. Again, Egypt, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia. And they declared their intention to wipe Israel off the map. And the United Nations, along with every ally, refused to help and refused to intervene. Israel knew it needed to strike first, and so it did. On June 5th, the Israeli Air Force destroyed Egypt's planes while they sat on the ground. And two days later, the IDF won the battle for Jerusalem. So by June 10th, Israel had defeated all the invaders and won control of huge territories. But like Israel, in hopes of peace with its neighbors, it again returned most of the land in exchange for peace treaties. Did it work? Listen, after winning the Six-Day War, Israel now controlled several territories captured by the invading, you know, from the invading Arab nations. So Israel offers to return the Sinai Peninsula to Egypt, the Golan Heights to Syria. On June 19, 1967, they offered to give them back this land, and all they wanted in exchange was peace. The immediate answer? No. And the Arab League's cartoon conference in Sudan, they adopted an official position against Israel that is called today the famous three no's. No peace, no recognition, no negotiation. Now, I don't know about you, but what that means is you can't talk with these people. There is no discussion. There is no agreement. There is nothing they will do because they'll lie to you and they can lie. We talked about takia, which is one of the forms of a Muslim's way of lying when it, it, it comes down to the uh, um, advantage of uh, being uh, a Muslim. So when it's to their advantage, they can lie because they can, because that's their religion. They can lie when it's for the good of Allah who, by the way, is not Jehovah God, by the way. He's not the same God. We don't serve the same God as the Muslims. Anyhow, that's for another day. So for 12 years, the three no's prevented all efforts of peace. And to this day, the three no's are a major obstacle to establishing any form of peace between Israel and its neighbors. You might remember October 6, 1973, in Israel. The country was quiet and focused on observing the holiest day on the Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur. Suddenly, the atmosphere was shattered. The IDF was caught unaware, and Egypt, Syria, attacked Israel simultaneously on two fronts. But here's what happened. I love history. 500 Israeli soldiers faced 600,000 Egyptians in the south. While in the north, 180 Israeli tanks defended against 1,400 Syrian tanks. And guess who won? Israel pushed back the invaders across the borders. <laughs> 18 days after Egypt and Syria first attacked Israel, the Arab leaders agreed to a ceasefire rather than suffer any further losses. So Israel won the Yom Kippur War. Of course, they lost 2,600 and 80 some odd Israeli lives, again, sacrificed to protect the Jewish homeland. Here we are today, 
50 years later. And what do we have? An attack. In the middle of the day, without any warning whatsoever. See, history seems to repeat itself. But that's because we don't know what history is, so we don't realize it's repeating itself. We don't realize that evil is still going to do evil. You might not remember uh, Egyptian uh, President Anwar Sadat. He angered the Arab world, boy. They turned on him quickly because he stood up in the Knesset in 1977 and declared that he sought peace with Egypt and Israel. So the next year, uh, Prime Minister Menachem Begin from Israel and President Sadat met repeatedly in the United States at the historic Camp David Accords. And finally, there was a peace treaty signed between Egypt and Israel. That happened in March of 1979. And uh, 91% of the territory that Israel had won in the Six-Day War and willingly gave up all this land and all the economic benefits, and they gave it all back, all in hopes of having peace. Peace. Just peace. They wanted to ensure peace with their neighbors. And for decades, Israel watched as Saddam Hussein attempted to acquire nuclear weapons. He spoke with his desire to wipe Israel off the map. And Israel pleaded with the United States, pleaded with the UN, and nobody cared. No one would listen. Our, uh, our defense secretary at the time stood up and agreed that Israel was correct, that, you know, Iraq nuclear program was set to destroy Israel. But still, the United States refused to act. But finally, when diplomacy had failed, Israeli intelligence came to the conclusion they needed to take the problem in their own hands. And they would bomb Iraq. Prime Minister Menachem Begin ordered a covert strike on their nuclear reactor on June 7, 1981, using 14 uh, F-15s and F-16s. They flew at low altitude, and they launched a surprise attack against the nuclear facility and destroyed it. It was over in less than 90 seconds. Gone. Destroyed. But now Israel faced a firestorm of criticism. Even the United States voted in favor of the UN Security Council resolution condemning Israel for the attack. <laughs> Despite this condemnation, the passage of time proved Israel saved the United States and its allies from the dangers of facing a nuclear Iraq. All of this history lies before us. And we today, and especially those younger than myself and maybe some of you, they don't know this history. They don't know how six million Jews were trapped in Europe when, you know, uh, it, it, they were blocked from getting back to Israel. The United States didn't want to help them. And so six million Jews were trapped in Europe and murdered in the Holocaust. They don't remember because they don't know because they were not taught history. In 2000, which is not that long ago, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak offered the Palestinians almost all the land they claimed to want. But the Palestinians walked away and responded with suicide bombings, killed another 1,000 Israelis. 2008, Prime Minister Omar 
offered the Palestinian president Abbas an even more generous deal. But Abbas said no. And Israel has paid the price with another over a decade of terrorism. And that brings us to today. With the world watching as Hamas, with brutality, with malice and intent, invaded Israel from the land, from the sea, and from the air. They brutally butchered men, women, and children, and elderly in their beds. Some were Holocaust survivors. And others, they had to watch as their children were murdered, or they allowed the children to watch as the parents were murdered. They tore babies from the stomachs of pregnant women. They even went so far as to behead babies and then rejoicing as they held the heads in their disgusting hands. They kidnapped. Is this what war is? No. This is not the process of war. This is terrorism. They kidnapped elderly, young women, and children? These people are not freedom fighters. They're terrorists and butchers, and nothing short of living evil that must be disposed of. They burned alive many men and women and children. They tortured and brutally raped countless women and children. This is disgusting actions of demons. It's not even deserving to call them humans. You know, you may not know the Bible, but in the Bible, it talks about how God told the Israelites to destroy all the inhabitants of the land that he gave them. But they didn't listen. Why? Well, you know human nature. We think we know best. And so they had compassion. They had love. I should say so-called compassion and nothing but human phileo love. In other words, I give you, you give me. Because if they had real love, they would have obeyed God and destroyed them all. But they saw the beauty of the women and they wanted them. And they saw the women and the children and the families and they, they said, oh, gee, let's just, let's just let them be. The women are good looking. Let's not kill them. Let's marry them instead. Yeah, that's a better idea. What we see today is the results of Israel's disobedience to God. So what can we or what should Israel do and what can we do? Well, I think Israel needs to wipe Hamas out. Totally destroy them completely annihilate them. I don't know if you know that the word Hamas, this is such a, this is just a great um, thing to, to research. The word Hamas in the Hebrew means violence. And in Arabic, it means beast, lonesome, desolate, barren, and violent. The word Hamas appears in the Hebrew Bible 68 times. And in view of what the Bible says about Hamas, I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of a Hamas terrorist. Believe me, folks, they'll not be getting 72 virgins. What they'll be receiving will be fire, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. 
But as an American, I am very concerned. I'm concerned about what's happening in Israel, and I'm very concerned about what's happening here in America. Because if democracy in the Middle East is destroyed, it gives all the enemies of democracy the capacity to destroy democracy in this country. I don't get that. Listen, listen to me. I think there's something that the American people need to think about. Remember, Iran was the mastermind behind this plan. They call us the great Satan and Israel the little Satan. Iran is always planning. They are the masterminds who plan this horrific war. And believe me, they are planning a similar war for the United States of America. And they will be using the very people who this president has allowed to come across our southern borders and our representatives in Congress and Senate. They're just as culpable. See, the China balloons, that was no coincidence. They were already planning and plotting because now they know right where all our military installations are. America is wide open for the same thing that Israel just experienced. And believe me, they're excited about doing the same thing to us here. God forbid if Hamas or Hezbollah ever get a hold of the old city of Jerusalem. If you're a Christian and if you've ever been to Israel, listen, all those famous Christian sites, they'd be gone. They'd disappear just like they destroyed uh, museums and, and places of history in other places in the Middle East. Why? Because they don't want the truth to come out. <laughs> there was no Palestinians. There's no such thing. They never existed. It was a made-up name. The Romans call it Palestinia in order to be a slap in the face to the Jews. Listen, they're looking to destroy history so they can rewrite it in their own favor. And that is why the Palestinian Authority doesn't want archaeologists digging in any areas that they have control over. Mainly because they know that all the relics uncovered will be proof of the nation of Israel. Because there never was a nation called Palestine. They don't have their own coins. They never had their own coins. Name me a Palestinian president. Where? Who are they? There was no history of any kings or presidents. See, these scum worship death. The Jewish people pursue life. These are complete opposites. And there will never be reconciliation between radical Islam and Judaism nor between radical Islam and Christianity. God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob a written contract. It's called a covenant, and it's found in the Bible. And in that covenant, it says this land belongs to the seed of Abraham forever and ever. And for this, they hate Israel, and they hate the God of Israel. See, Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael was not the son of promise, but God did bless, okay, God did bless Hagar and Ishmael. God did bless them, and the blessings are all written there in the Bible. The problem is that violence would follow them all the days of their lives, and so it does even to this day. See, the tactics of the Palestinians has not changed since the time of the Philistines, which is where they come from. 
They are treacherous, they are liars, they are connivers, and they have a love for death. And because of their twisted religion, they literally love death. This is why we cannot trust anything they say, because they use uh, any tactics necessary in order to get what they want accomplished. Let me start with this. Uh, how about this recent, okay, back and forth over the fuel problem in Gaza right now? According to the UN and all their corrupt agencies, there's supposedly a fuel shortage that is so dire that they have to shut things down. Um, what things? What are you going to shut down? Nothing is open. Everything is closed. There's no convenience stores open. There's no gasoline stations open. The fact is Hamas has been stockpiling hundreds of thousands of gallons of gas and diesel fuel. And the IDF knows exactly where they keep it. Hamas has also been stealing fuel from the UN agencies and from private vendors. They steal fuel and they stockpile fuel in order to control their own population because what Hamas does is control their own population. They control what they hear, what they see, and what they do, and they use the people as cover. They use them. Their offices are where? Beneath hospitals. That's right. 100, 200 feet beneath a hospital, and the only way in is into the hospital and then down through elevators and stairs. They, they, why, why would they? put their headquarters in the hospital because they use people, sick, elderly, young, children as cover in the midst of war. Is, does that sound like a soldier to you? No, that's a terrorist. We've been told that Gaza was running out of everything, food, water, fuel, medicine. It's not true. It's not true then and it's not true now. Sure, I, I'm sure it's dire in Gaza. I, I, I'm sure, but that's the results of war. But they have more than enough fuel in the Gaza Strip right now. It's just not going to those in need because Hamas decides to use fuel to fight the war. Instead of providing it to the hospitals and others in need, they use it for their own purposes first. See, the bottom line is this. With Gaza at war, there is no regular business. No regular car or truck rides are happening. It's not like, hey, honey, let's take a ride. Uh, let's go get an ice cream. <laughs> no, for the most part, for the most part, the humanitarian needs that are there can be filled. But Hamas is refusing to fill it. Why? Because that's what they do. They use their own people as proxies in a war. See, there surely is enough fuel for now. Now, if it drags out, eventually they're really going to run low on fuel. But Israel's not going to allow any fuel to be delivered into Gaza. And they will choke off the head of the snake. Of course, that's going to bring the ire of, you know, news medias around the world on how bad Israel is. No, let's remember how bad it was when they attacked Israel for no reason where they destroyed, killed, maimed, tortured, raped. And all the while this is happening in the Middle East. What do we have here in America? We have representatives here in, in this country, like Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, AOC. These people need to be voted out. 
I mean, maybe you didn't know it. Uh, they're called the squad. And the squad actually consists of eight members. Okay. Uh, the first four are the founding members. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. Ilan Omar, she's from Minnesota. Uh, and by the way, Minnesota is a highly um, um, a concentrated population uh, of Muslims. Uh, and how did they get there? Uh -huh. Illegal immigration and legal immigration. Uh, Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts and Rashida Tlaib, Michigan. I'm sorry, Minnesota was Elan Omar. Did I say Michigan? Anyhow, it's Minnesota. And Rashida, uh, Rashida Tlaib is from Michigan. But uh, those are the first four members, the founding members. And the other members are uh, Jamal Bowman. He's from New York. Uh, Corey Bush, um, Missouri, I think. Uh, Greg Caesar from Texas and Summer Lee from Pennsylvania. Um, but these people really are, they're really part of the problem here in America. Uh, along with the woke colleges and universities, all of these have been brainwashing our students to the point that they're out there right now spewing anti-Semitism anti-Semitism and hatred. And it's so bad. I, don't, I, I just, if you turn on the news, it's equal to the Nazis who murdered over 6 million Jews. It's horrible. I mean, the Nazis didn't believe that, you know, the white were white enough. They killed another 6 million other people other than Jews. You may not know your history, but that's what happened. Over 12 million people were killed by the Nazis. 6 million of them Jews. The other six million were people who they didn't believe were smart or white enough. How is it possible that in the streets of our major cities like New York City, we have these fools spewing this kind of hatred, and yet they call us, the, the MAGA, uh, the right, the libertarians, the conservatives, uh, MAGA movement, they call us the problem? I'm the problem. You're the problem. Are you kidding me? The problem starts with the top. There's a weak, senile old man up there who's being used as a front to push this left woke agenda on all of us here in this country. This man in the White House is nothing but a con man and a thief, and it flows down from there. And if we do not want what is happening in Israel right now to come here to America, then we better get our act together. And it must happen soon because time is running short. See, the wackos are feeling emboldened because we have a government who is empowering them with woke rhetoric. L let me put it this way. Islam will take all the stupid Black Lives Matter fools and all the LGBTQ transgender idiots, and they will allow them to feel welcomed in their movement. But the minute Islam gets any control, they'll be throwing the queers off the rooftops and stoning the rest of them. They despise the woke agenda. They despise the LGBTQ movement, but they embrace it as a means to get what they want. Why? Because they lie. That is what they do. They want control, eventually world control. See, we're dealing with a radical ideology. 
MAGA, make America great again, is not radical. Sure, it's outside the political norm, yes. And that's why you got people like the fat man and, uh, you know, all these other, Nikki Haley and all these others. They're entrenched in the system and they don't want Trump back in because he's going to destroy the system and put America back on strong footing again. But radical is so far extreme that we've lost understanding. Radical is they want you dead. And if they have to die to have you dead, well, so be it. That's radical. See, that's radical. It's insane. Like I said earlier, they embrace death. You and I, we embrace life. I mean, I want to live. I want to live. <laughs> I, I want to live. You probably never watched Star Trek original series, but that's when he was split into two persons. And uh, the, the evil side and the good side. And eventually the evil side cried out, I want to live. <laughs> Anyhow. See, they embrace death while the rest of us want to enjoy and live life. Why? Because we love life. They don't. They love death. Recently in Brussels, there was a radical Islamic terrorist that viciously shot and murdered two Swedish soccer fans and gravely wounded a third person. See, these crazies chant death to America, but we let them in our country. And we don't vet them. We just let them, oh, death to America. Hey, come on in. Oh, we love you. Oh, we, that's like foolish Christians. And the Bible talks about being a fool. You, you know, you forget it. You forget it. You know, a fool, a fool needs, to be, uh, needs to be understood. Okay. I uh, see a fool. Um, basically believes that love conquers all. Well, love does conquer all. Jesus died for all of us. He conquered death and brought life. But when you're dealing with a radical agenda that doesn't love life and only loves death and only has a radical view of what life really consists of, you cannot fight that agenda. And if we let them in our country, we are fools because they will not sing kumbaya with us. You know, They're not gonna sit around the fireside chat. If they do, it's because they have a backpack filled with gunpowder. See, we probably right now have hundreds, if not thousands of terror cells in this nation right now. But our leaders, are acting like it's no big deal. Now, don't get me wrong. I know we have people in our FBI. I know we have good people there. And I know there are people who uh, are watching certain people. And I know we're aware of some, but we can't be aware of them all because we've just had millions of people come through our borders in the past three years and none of them were vetted. See, our leaders want us to sympathize with the Palestinians. And believe me, I do with the people, the Palestinian people. I do. But you have to know them, too. See, the Palestinians grew up as children, literally two, three, four, five years old, learning to hate the Jews. They sing songs about killing the Jews and death to the Jews, driving the Jews all the way from the Jordan into the sea, killing them. See, and our leaders want us to sympathize with the Palestinians, but we have to be careful because they've been brainwashed. We have to be careful we don't allow the same radicals into our nation. Oh, these are just good people. 
They just want to live like, no, they don't. No, they don't. See, happy that you're here in the United States is one thing. When my my grandparents came to this nation, went through Ellis Island, came to this nation, found the job and worked and worked and toiled and whatever for the the good life. My father's father, my mother's father, they left the old country, Italy. And they came to the United States. And my father's father, I know for sure that he never saw his parents again. Him and his brother left together and they were underage, actually lied about their age. And they came here to the United States and they never saw their parents again. And when they died, they got a letter from a relative saying that mother died and the father died a few years later. See, we don't understand the sacrifices that it took for America to be what it is today, a strong melting pot. And yes, we do want to welcome people into this great nation. We want people to come, those who are smart, those who have abilities, those who have talents, those who have desires for success and to succeed, and those who want to see the nation succeed. But I don't want to bring people into this nation whose only goal is to destroy us from the inside out. The United States is so nice and so good. Fools, that's what we are. We're fools because they're laughing at us. Who? The the crazies around the world are laughing at us right now, like the Palestinians, the Iranians. They laugh at us. <laughs> Why? Because we just gave them billions of dollars. We, we, caused, we basically closed down America's ability to produce oil, and we opened it up so that Iran can make 50, 60, 70 million dollars every month in selling oil on the open market. They're laughing at us because they come here with ill will towards us. They come here with an agenda to destroy us from within. And we welcome them with open arms and we put out a Thanksgiving dinner for them too. How can you put America first when 270,000 illegal aliens came across our borders in September of 2023 alone? More than likely, there are 12 to 15 million people in this country illegally. It could be double that amount. We don't know. And how many want to do us harm? We don't know. And then we have this crazy president get up and, you know, at first it all sounds good. We're behind, uh, we're, we're with Israel, whatever. we're their allies. And he, he, he's such a deceiver. I can't believe him even when he's saying the words. But he gives this recent speech, basically saying they need to support both sides. It's a disaster. It's a disaster after innocent men, women, and children and babies were kidnapped and raped and tortured and slaughtered in the worst possible terror attack in Israeli history. And the United States, what we do is we say, well, we want to support the Palestinians. We don't want to support anything but truth, righteousness, and justice. And what happened to Israel was wrong, and the people that did it need to pay a healthy price for it. Then maybe we can take some of the people that are Palestinians, and maybe they could be retrained. Maybe they could be retaught. Maybe they can be shown the right way. I don't know. But the United States is treading on thin ice. We need to be careful. Because if the terrorists sense further weakness... That'll be the sign for them to attack us next. And then we'll really have an issue on our hands because the left would surely use that as a way to secure the elections (laughs) from a government perspective. In other words, the government will control the voting process to ensure its legitimacy. Yeah, right. 
This mess in Israel is a means to an end for the radical left. And we got to be aware that we're being tested right now. We're being tested by the same forces who attacked Israel. They're assessing us and they're assessing our resolve and our weakness. Here's why. When we show weakness, they will unleash a barrage of terror on America, the likes we have never seen. And if we should get brave, our own woke left will come against ourselves and they will turn on us because they are so sure that their ideas of love and peace are so universal that we must be wrong. They believe that the world just wants to have peace. And what do you want? World peace. Of course, everybody wants world peace. As Christians, we're taught to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Problem is, peace isn't going to happen until the end. You know, the stupid woke left, they are so dangerous and so deluded that they actually believe their own nonsense. So as this war unfolds, the rate at which the left and the media begin to turn on Israel, watch that, because that's going to determine how quickly events will unfold here. Because the left will never let a crisis go without using it to further their own agendas. And right now, what's the most important agenda of the left? Oh, believe me, it's not Israel. It's not the Middle East. It's the 2024 election because they want to retain power at all costs. We need to watch the flow of money. And if we send even one dollar to Gaza or Iran, it's a sign to the left and to the terrorists. Hey, we're ready. Come on. Come on over. Move against us. I know it sounds crazy, but remember, remember who we're dealing with. A radical right Islam base using a radical left USA base with each party thinking it's outsmarting the other. But what our radical left does not understand is the radical Islamists will die. And they don't care if they die because to them, they win if they die. All the while, the left is only thinking about money and political power, both of which are meaningless to the radical right Muslim. So my friends, time is truly short for America. If we do not awaken from this woke stuff, it's time we take this country back because if we don't awaken soon, we're going to be awakened like Israel was by surprise. But we can, we can take this country back. Together, we can be successful. Let's get going now. Let's make 2024 the year that the sleeping giant awakened and kicked out the woke, radical, crazy left. And it's time we take back this country from the hands of the foolish who will surely destroy her if we don't do something now. Great talking with you today. See you soon. Well, if you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire or watched the entire episode. And for that, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you listened or watched. And do me a favor, please share this episode with others who may be interested in these same topics. 
And also, feel free to let me know what topics you'd like to see covered in the future. You can get in touch with me in the comments or by, you know, social media networks. Thanks again for everything. See you next week.